Welcome to the MGC Podcast, where we go deep into the Christian faith. My name is Alex Portillo, and I am your host. On today's episode, we are talking with Pastor Johnny Moore about what motivated him to do a one-sentence sermon. And we're also going to be diving into some of the questions submitted. We're going to be speaking about what it means to be citizens of heaven. It is always a pleasure to have you with us. Let's jump in. And so even as one, I stepped into the pulpit with honestly more with a sense of greater authority and more authority with the one sentence that I said, I stepped into that more saying, this is God speaking to you than I think I ever have in any sermon. Usually I don't make that claim. This is God's word to you. And this week I did. So I did that as one standing before hundreds, thousands, potentially. And then flipping that coin to come back to now not one, but many and how the Holy Spirit works through many and how important dialogue is in the process for discerning the, the word of God and the will of God in our community and in our time. Johnny, welcome back. It's so good to have you. Ah, it's good to be back. Oh man. It feels I... like it's been so long. I always enjoy having you over because you are such a vibe. Oh, that's that's what I like to hear. Vibes. That's what, that's what I'm about. Keeping it copacetic. I want us to take a quick moment here and listen to your sermon this past Sabbath. And I want to get your thoughts on your sermon. When you join my family, you actually become a citizen of heaven. When you join my family, you actually become a citizen of heaven. When you join my family, you actually become a citizen of heaven. Listening to that back, how do you think that went? You know, I think it went well. I think I said what I needed to say. It was a, it was a it was a powerful a powerful sermon for me to be a part of. I guess I'm wondering this because there people sent you questions afterwards that you were answering throughout the service. And this question that this person asked understood the, the sermon differently than I did. And I guess I want some clarity from you here. This person asked why you chose to speak from God's perspective. While I understood you speaking from your perspective and I was kind of wondering, like, why doesn't he say when you join our family, when you join God's family? I was wondering why you kept it at I, but this person clearly understood it as you speaking from God's perspective. So could you kind of speak into that? 
Yeah, so I was definitely um, speaking from God's perspective. That was my intent. And uh, I had a slide that uh, sort of introduced this concept. And the slide said, you know, hear a message from God to you. Actually, it just said a message from God to you. And so I didn't read that text. Um, I just jumped in with the message from God to you, from God to me, from God to to each of us uh, individually and I think collectively as a community. And I did that recognizing that in the lack of clarity, there would be substantial room for for people understanding it different ways. I think that making that choice was a choice that was difficult for me because I like things to be very clear and very qualified. But with the journey that I've been on, with the journey that I've been on with this text and with God recently, I've come to a place where I just at times need to surrender my need and my desire to control everything and make sure that I am understood exactly how I want to be understood and let God take the reins, so to speak. Um, Jesus, take the wheel, to quote our our good uh, Carrie Underwood, right? And just see where it goes. I really wanted people to receive this from God to them and to receive it personally because something that has just resonated deeply with me recently is the personal nature of scripture and the and the way that scripture says of itself that that it's this it's this living word um, that the that the holy spirit will guide us into all truth um, through scripture through studying of of this word of god and that the these these promises are new god's mercies are new every morning that that god will actually speak to us through this document in a personal way and i think that so frequently we don't consider the gravity of god speaking to us personally in this way we don't consider the gravity of of who god is as god speaks to us this Next question, I think you kind of answered it already, but what kind of led you to do a live Q&A? Because although that one sentence was the entire sermon, you did transition to a Q&A and some people would say, well, that was the, the sermon. What was your thought process behind all that? Of course, I thought about, I thought about including all these things, you know, in the sermon, the different, the different slides, the different things that I had ready, even for the, for the live Q and A. And I thought about excluding it all entirely and just responding to people who texted in with, with, uh, you know, with, with text, right? I could, they could, they could text in and, and later this week or, or later, you know, Sabbath afternoon, I would, I would get back to them depending on the volume. I got several. So there are some that I still need to respond back to in a little more depth, even now as we record on Monday. But the reason why I ended up choosing to go to the Q&A was honestly a, a cultural uh, expectation and opportunity 
so it has two parts. The the first is the cultural expectation, uh, and the and the reality that that I know that people come to church, um, wanting to have scripture explained, and that very frequently in our lives we don't have opportunities for scripture to be explained, for us to dig into scripture, and so, I, I decided that though it might be more of a punch if I just you know, did the, you know, here's the three sentences or the one sentence repeated three times and then I left, uh, that might be more punchy. Uh, people might come away just honestly, just really disappointed. And I didn't want people to be super disappointed. Uh, and so there's uh, there's probably even a little bit of of, uh, of personal vulnerability. And like, I didn't want people to be disappointed. Well, I thought you did something that we have been, people have been, kidding about for a long time. I remember when I was attending the first church that I attended after my conversion, there was a young adult leader that made a joke that he wanted to go to the pulpit and just say, what is wrong with you? Stand there for like <laughs> one minute and then just walk away. <laughs> and we thought that was just so funny. And when I was lead pastor at Lighthouse of Hope in Winnipeg, my elder came up to me and said, you should just go up there and just say, what are you doing? And walk off. And I thought to myself, man, people are, people are into these one word sermons, but I know that if I do that one day, um, there would be a lot of disappointed people. But I think that you did a great job at incorporating the Q&A because it gives people an opportunity to deal with that one word or one sentence challenge that has been made. I really appreciate that feedback. And I, and I hope that that is true. What I, what I really want, and, and I've, I've said it, what I really want is for people to remember it is for people to hear that sentence as God's word to them. The second part of that, uh, or the second response to the question, is that I think that dialogue is really important and really valuable. And I think that sometimes, and this is almost ironic, given you know what the message was, what the sermon was, uh, but sometimes we, we limit the voice of God so much to that one person to the preacher, to the, uh, to the, the expositor, the commentator, whoever that, that authority is. And we neglect, we forget that God speaks through community, that we all have insights to bring to the table. And so even as one, I stepped into the pulpit with honestly more, with a sense of greater authority and more authority with the one sentence that I said, I stepped into that more saying, this is God speaking to you than I think I ever have in any sermon. Usually I don't make that claim. This is God's word to you. And this week I did. So I did that as one standing before hundreds, thousands, potentially. And then flipping that coin to come back to now not one, but many, and how the Holy Spirit works through many and how important dialogue is in the process for discerning the the word of God and the will of God in our community and in our time. Yeah, I love that it happens in community. 
last week we were talking about abiding in Christ. What's interesting about that passage is uh, about John chapter 15, when Jesus says um, to, if we love him to keep his commandments and that kind of like that theme about love each other as I have loved you. This is how you remain in my love by loving one another. And Mm. that whole idea that he connects abiding with keeping his commandments and what are keeping his commandments, loving one another. So this abiding aspect happens together. Like we don't abide in Christ by ourselves. We abide with Christ together. Yeah. Fire. Yeah. Yeah. We need community so deeply. I know that you received a lot of questions and Mm -hmm. I just want us to kind of wrestle with one question here because I feel that the reason we're discussing the way that you preach this sermon is because the way that you preached it was driving at what you were trying to communicate, that God speaks to us individually. And the way you did that illustrates that very fact. That's why we're discussing it so much. But you received this one question that you shared with me that we didn't get, you didn't get an opportunity to, to answer. So I'm going to ask it to you and give us your best answer. How's that sound? Perfect. All right. This person asked, this may be too much for an off the cuff improv sermon, but too bad. This ain't off the cuff anymore. Oh no. (laughs) Equating citizenship with the idea of rights bestowed, that usually comes with responsibilities. For example, taxes, following laws, etc. Can we lose our citizenship in heaven? If so, how does that relate to the idea of salvation by grace? If not, then what are our responsibilities and how are we to be held accountable? First, I love this question and I I'm uh, it's 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 fun dialoguing, you know, with this, with this person. And I, I love it. This is, this is the deep stuff. These are the deep questions. And these are really kind of the core questions for, for what is salvation, right? Like what must I do to be saved? I believe as we look at the, at the scripture narrative, that the fundamental responsibility for citizenship in heaven is one that we have lost the capability to enact is one that we have lost the capability to live out the the responsibility to be a citizen of heaven was live this sinless kind of life live this perfect life and adam and eve had that chance and then they said you know we would rather do it on our own we would rather you know, play the game by our own rules. And we think that we can do it better separate from God. And so uh, in that, then they, they lose the opportunity. They choose to go away from being a citizen of the kingdom. And in so doing, they deprive us, their descendants of the, the opportunity, even the chance to live sinless lives. Right. So, so that's the criteria, but 
with the person of Jesus, just as we lost the opportunity, you and I didn't do anything to influence Adam and Eve's decision, right? But we still bear the consequences. We still bear the results of their decision. So it is with Jesus coming to earth. And this is why the good news is the good news. This is why the gospel is the gospel. Because because Jesus, he actually comes into earth, lives this sinful kind of life, makes a way for us to, by identifying with him, become a part of the family. When you join my family, and when we join that family, we actually become a citizen of heaven. It, it changes our citizenship. And so the, the act, if you would even call it an act, the primary responsibility is that identification with the person of Jesus saying, I am dying and raising to life again with Christ. I am all in for this Jesus guy who does for me what I cannot do for myself. So that is the fundamental responsibility. Out out of that identification, uh, over time, we become transformed. Over time, we are what the Bible, uh, what theologians call sanctification. We're, We're made holy. We begin to reflect more and more the likeness of Jesus. But fundamentally, the the weight of our citizenship is not on how holy we are. The weight of our citizenship is in us trusting in the holiness of Jesus, in the adequacy of Jesus and who Jesus is, because Jesus is the only one who has fulfilled those responsibilities of citizenship. So we attain citizenship by identifying with Christ. And the way that we lose citizenship is by turning away from that identification. This is not a, I don't believe that the Bible teaches a once saved, always saved approach as some of our brothers and sisters in other denominations believe. We see in scripture this idea, you know, Paul says this person was with us and now they've turned away, for example. But it does seem that that this identification and rejecting this identification with Jesus, this is more than just making mistakes or or not being loving enough or not uh, wearing the right clothes or eating the right food or uh, uh, even you know being friends with the right people or 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 some of these kinds of questions that that we tend to get so caught up in. Uh, not it's not a question of oh did I did I make the right choice in in discerning the will of God in this area did I did I maybe go down the wrong path for a little while that's not that's not the question those are not the kinds of questions that can lose us our citizenship and being able to identify as citizens of the kingdom of God the the question is have you made the real choice to say, I don't want to identify with Jesus anymore. I don't want to be defined by Jesus anymore. I don't want to live with the Son, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. I don't want that anymore. When we make that choice, when we, when we throw that aside, when we throw that away, that seems to be the time when, okay, you know, now we're no longer, we're no longer citizens of heaven. 
But until that time, until that time, we choose to keep on identifying with Jesus, to keep on turning toward Jesus. And then through that, God does the work in our lives that God does. And we keep on learning and we keep on growing in grace together. And this, again, this concept has been, has been so big for me. This is my, this is my, uh, my current uh, theological platform, my, my position right now. Like, like our job, our responsibility, our, our opportunity as Christians is not to try to get ourselves to live in this perfect way. Our, our job, our opportunity, our, our chance is to, is to throw ourselves into relationship with this Jesus who we get to identify with, relationship with this spirit who Jesus promised and sent at Pentecost and now is, is manifest among us, Re- relationship with the Father on high who we can boldly come before in the throne room of heaven, Hebrew says, you can enter the throne room, throne room of grace boldly before the, the Father, right? And in being in relationship with this being, all those other things, maybe not as quickly as I would like them to, maybe not as quickly as you would like them to, um, but all those other things fall into place. And, and scripture itself is this God-breathed, document that over and over and over again in all these different ways and all these different facets expresses to us how God wants to engage us in that kind of relationship. So when we see a command like we do in Philippians 4.1, where Paul says, stand firm in this way, in this way of following our examples, in this way of in this way of being eager awaiters, eager anticipators of Jesus coming, this, this call, this exhortation, this, this instruction, this command even, is an invitation from God to say, this is the kind of relationship that I want to have with you, a, a relationship that evokes this kind of passion in your soul. Thank you for joining us today, Pastor Johnny. It's my pleasure. Pastor Johnny did something that I have wanted to do for a long time, but haven't had the courage to do to take something that is obvious in scripture and give it to the congregation in one sentence and say, this is enough. And I love how he took that opportunity to then allow the congregation to engage with that one message that is very clearly spoken in scripture. My prayer is that all of us, that we could all continually engage with the book of Philippians as we continue this series. And before we log off, I want to make an announcement. Next Monday, next Monday, we are dropping an extra episode with Dr. Ante Juranchich. He is the ethics and theology professor at Andrews 
University. He will be speaking to us about the craft of living. How can we live our lives intentionally? That is going to be an episode you are not going to want to miss. If you haven't done so yet, leave us a review on Apple. Share this with a friend. I know that it seems like a small thing, but it really helps us and it helps others find us. Well, my friends, grace and peace.